0: Alright, 1 Corinthians chapter number 8 and 9. We're going to read just a couple verses. I've got a ton that I would love to share with you. I really wish I had about an hour and a half this morning. Uh, I know you don't wish that, but I do. Uh, uh, there is so much in these two chapters and and the two chapters go together. They they go together. I know we have chapters and verses in scripture to help us study and learn and grow and all that uh, uh, and, and put it together but unfortunately these chapters are separated but eight and nine are one message. All right, It is one section of the letter and they go together. They're talking about the same thing. If that makes sense, say amen. But but with that being said, we don't have enough time to go into great detail verse by verse through eight and nine. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to give you a kind of a, a running commentary, uh, 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 just a, a short synopsis of the whole thing, and then take a little bit out of what I believe God wants us to apply today. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. So you know, you know, we're not going into great detail. I would encourage you to. I would encourage you to take it home and, and read it. Uh, it is really, really good stuff. But we're, we're just going to jump into the, uh, the the middle part of it today. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 in verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. Now what that means is we want you to know. That's how we would say it. We want you to know the grace of God (coughs) bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The churches of Macedonia. Macedonia was northern Greece. It was the area in northern Greece which would include uh, the churches of Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. All right, say that with me. Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. This group of churches in northern Greece. It says, How they in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy... And their deep poverty. Now that don't don't sound like that would go together. Right? But they abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Or their generosity. For to their power I bear record. Yea. And beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Praying us with much entreaty. That we would receive the gift. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And I'll explain what all that is here in just a second. And this they did. Not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish. In other words, something had started, but it never got finished. In you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also." I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness, the eagerness, the willingness of others, referring to the Macedonian churches, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through he, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before Not only to do, but also to forward a year ago, a year ago. In other words, what was started a year ago never got, never got finished. Now therefore, verse 11, now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. All right, let's pray and we'll jump into this. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for <laughs> becoming poor so that we might become rich. Lord, thank you for giving up everything and coming to this earth and and, and, and walking as a beggar so that we could have the riches of heaven. And God, I pray right now that you will teach us today. Lord, I pray that you will encourage us today. I pray that you will fill our hearts and our minds with your, your truth and your love and motivate your people today. And God, we'll, we'll just be careful to give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Now, let me, you, let me give you kind of the, the, the brief running commentary of where we're at. And then we'll, we'll pick out some truths out of this, these two chapters, okay? This is what's going on. This is what's going on. Uh, most of y'all know, we, we've talked about this through the study of the book of Acts, and, and we know that Paul left the church in Jerusalem, okay? The church in Jerusalem was the original. That's where it all started on the day of Pentecost. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. Thousands were saved, thousands came to know, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread and fellowship and in prayers and, and, and the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be. So, so the church started in Jerusalem and began to expand out, right? In Acts chapter 1-8 he said, but ye shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So here's what happened. Started in Jerusalem, expanded out to Judea, expanded out to Samaria. Remember we talked about Philip the other day, went into Samaria and then to the uttermost parts. Paul, goes to, Paul uh, comes to Christ and now he has sent out from the church at Antioch. Now he is all over the Mediterranean world. Preaching the gospel. And people are getting saved. Churches are getting planted. Now keep in mind, these are Gentiles. These are all Gentiles that he is dealing with over here. And now he's in northern Greece in Macedonia. All right? In Macedonia. There is something that takes place. There is a famine that takes place. It has been prophesied. And so the churches in Macedonia, the churches that he had planted... Decided to gather up a love offering to support the people back in Jerusalem. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, several things that we need to remember. Several things that we need to remember about what's going on in Jerusalem. Several things. Why is this so necessary? First of all, when... Pentecost took place. There were pilgrims from everywhere. If y'all will remember, when when they came and they began to speak in other languages that God gave them, is like fourteen different nationalities from all over the place. Pilgrims had come in to celebrate Pentecost. Well, when the Holy Spirit came and they were many of them believed in Christ, they were saved. They stayed. They stayed instead of going back home because. If they went back home, there was no apostle's doctrine. There were no churches. There was no, nowhere they could be taught the word. So they stayed in Jerusalem. And so guess what? When they stayed, they had to be taken care of, right? They have to have food to eat. They have to have places to stay. So there is a great need here. And if you'll remember, if you'll remember in the beginning of Acts, especially Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, they were selling property and bringing it to the disciples, the apostles to set to, to delegate it out. Why was that? Because this is what was happening. We had these great needs. Not only that, not only that. This was a big deal. The the temple was the main enterprise in Jerusalem. Okay, all the jobs were somehow connected to the temple. The Sadducees. There was two religious. Uh, sects there the the Pharisees and the Sadducees well the Sadducees were the rulers of the temple they were the ones that controlled the temple they didn't believe in the resurrection they didn't believe in angels so they became the mortal enemies of Christianity and if you confess Christ you was done you had no job you were kicked out of the family. You were ostracized. You were no longer a part of the community. So if so, what happened? In Jerusalem, first of all, you have all these pilgrims, these thousands and thousands of pilgrims that we have to take care of. Then we have the, the loss of jobs and the loss of employment because of the persecution from the Jewish crowd. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Y'all following me? And now, now there is a great, Famine. I mean, this is a trifecta. This is a this is three major major problems with the church in Jerusalem, and they are suffering greatly. Uh, they are they are struggling. So Paul Paul comes together and says, "Let's take an offering. Let's take an offering for this need." Now let me let me let me share with you two things, two ways. That, that, that they gave in the New Testament, all right? Two things, two ways they gave in the New Testament church. Well, first of all, this is not in your notes, by the way. This is just, you can just throw this in there. They gave to support those leading and serving the church in the ministry of the church. 1 Corinthians 9, 9 says, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the, ox, the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith it, he it all for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partakers of his hope. If ye have sown, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing that if we shall reap your carnal things? What Paul is saying here to the Corinthian church in the first letter is if we're sowing to you spiritual things, we have a right to sow or reap from you Material things, basically financial support, is what he's saying. All right. Now he says also in First Corinthians 9, 13, do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? That they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. First Timothy five seventeen. Paul tells Timothy, "Let the elders which rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For he for the Scripture said, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn.' The laborer is worthy of his reward. This is an Old Testament illustration that uh, that uh, that you know God is saying when the when the oxen is going through the corn, he has a right to reach over and grab a cob. Say Amen." Don't muzzle him. He's doing the work. If he's doing the work, he he deserves corn cobs. Amen. Amen. Now, and he's using that illustration that if you have spiritual leaders that are doing a good job, you should take care of them. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that Temple has done that from the very first day I was here. They have supported me and my family and all the families of those that are serving here and working here. And that's why you give to the leaders and the ones who are serving you and for the ministry of this church. Your offerings every week when we say, hey, we've got offering boxes out there, help yourself do whatever God's telling you to do. You put money in there and it keeps these lights on. How many of y'all appreciate these lights? How many of y'all appreciate the air conditioning? Yes, sir. Say amen right there. I appreciate the heat in the winter. Now, how many of y'all know they don't give that away? All right, so that's where that goes. So in the New Testament, they would give to support their leaders and those that are serving them and for the ministry of the church. But then secondly, secondly, they would give to special projects. Okay, they would give to special projects. And and this is what one of them was here in in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. Let me give you a couple verses. This is in the top of your notes, by the way. These are, all right, Acts 11 Verse 28, And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth uh, a famine throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. When then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwell in Judea. Talking about back in Jerusalem. So here we find a need, a special project. If that makes sense, say Amen. 1 Corinthians 16, one. Paul tells them how to do it. In the first letter, 1 Corinthians 16, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come... Whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality or what you give unto Jerusalem. So here, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Paul is telling all the churches that he had planted. He said, listen, there's a major need in Jerusalem. There's a major problem, a major need in the Jerusalem church. And we want to take care of them. We want to help them. And so I want you to gather up an offering. And when I come. I will take that to Jerusalem. To help them. If that makes sense say amen. Now the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church. They said yes. Sounds good. We're all about it. Man we're going to do it. But there was a problem. A whole year had passed, and guess what? No offering. They had done nothing. They had done nothing. Now, this was a problem. This was a problem because the Apostle Paul had already went and bragged to the the churches in Macedonia about what the Corinthian church was going to do. This is all right here in 8 and 9. I'm giving you the synopsis. I'm just going through this, Okay. Paul said, look, I've been bragging on you guys and I've been telling everybody about your willingness and your desire because you told me you wanted to be involved in this endeavor. And I've told everyone, and not only that, but that encouraged all of them to take part. And now I'm fixing to come. I'm fixing to come. And if you have no offering, you're gonna embarrass yourself and me. Synopsis. <clears throat> That's what he's saying. Read it. It's right there. He said, let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We got we to do something. Now you say, why did that happen? Why did that happen? If you, if you really study the background of the church in Corinth, you will find out that they were very immature. They were very carnal. In other words, they, they thought more of themselves than they did of others. And you will notice this. If you, if you look at, if you look at any, any church group, if you'll see a real mature Christian, they have no problem in the area of giving and generosity because they are more like Christ. But then you have a young Christian or an immature Christian, they're always going to struggle in that area. They're going to have issues there. So I believe the, the reason why it took a whole year and they still hadn't done anything was because of the maturity level in the church. But that's neither here nor there. Paul is trying to deal with it. He said, listen, we need to take care of this. You promised a year ago, you promised a year ago, we need to follow through. Say that with me. We need to follow through on what you promised to do. Now, does everybody kind of see the picture of what's happening here, right? There, there is a great need. They've come together to, to, to gather uh, help and support for this great need. Corinth has fallen behind, a whole year has gone by, they haven't followed through with their their commitment and their promise, and so Paul is encouraging them, hey, get this done. Get this done. If that makes sense, say amen. Now let me give you three things. Let me give you three things out of these two chapters that we can put together that will help us today, okay? First of all, number one, we see his appeal. We see his appeal. If you have your notes in front of you, I want you to to look at this. We see his appeal. He's trying to appeal to the Corinthian church. He's trying to encourage them and inspire them. And what does he do? He talks about the Macedonian churches. He says, let me tell you what they did. Let me tell you what they did. And in the first few verses that we just read in chapter number eight, he said, let me tell you how they gave. Look what it says in verse number one or verse number two how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality, for to their power, I bear record, he said, I'm telling you the truth, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us, look what it says, verse four, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. In other words, we want to be a part of this, right? And this they did, not as we hoped. In other words, they went beyond what we ever even thought they would do, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go into great detail, but let me just tell you this. The way that's described in the wording that Paul uses here, the churches in Macedonia were in a bad way. They were in a severe, severely financial hardship. I'm talking about they were in poverty. They were struggling. They were having a difficult time, yet they still cared. They still wanted. Matter of fact, they had to beg Paul to take the offering. Paul Paul is seeing their condition. Paul is seeing the shape that they're in. And most likely, he may not even even ask them to give. They knew about it, but they said, please take this offering. With joy, we gave. We want to be a part of this deal. And so Paul is telling the Corinthian church, look what they did. Look what they did in their poverty, they gave. In their difficulty, they gave. They didn't allow their circumstances to determine what they were willing to do, and they gave even when they really didn't have it to give. So, what's he doing? He's motivating, he's appealing the Corinthian church because of what the Macedonian churches were able to do and were willing to do. Then, the second thing he uses in his appeal was the Lord. Look what he says. Look what he says in verse number, uh, verse number nine, verse number nine, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was, Uh uh-oh, boy, isn't it funny? You talk about money and everybody clams up. It's going to get, it's going to be all right. I promise you it's going to get better. Here we go. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was, yet for your sakes, he became that ye through his might be Now think about this. He says, now look, if the actions of the Macedonian churches don't inspire you, let me tell you what Jesus did for you. Jesus, the Prince of Glory. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, God the Son who sat in the majestic glory of heaven, had all of the angels to his servants as his ministers at his beck and call. Jesus left all of that to be a beggar. He was born in a manger. He was not even born. I'm talking about the prince of heaven was born in a cow trough. Are y'all with me? He was born in a manger with nothing. Do y'all remember when his parents, Mary and Joseph, when they went to when they went to the temple? They, they took Jesus to the temple in, in the first place? Do you remember what they offered? Do you remember what they offered? Two doves. You say, why did they offer two doves? Because they couldn't afford a lamb. You see, God made, God made a stipulation. That you were to bring a lamb without spot and without blemish as a sacrifice. But if you were too poor to afford a lamb, he would allow you to bring two doves, two birds. Are y'all with me? And so when we see Mary and Joseph come to the temple, guess what they brought? You know why? Because they couldn't afford. Jesus was born in utter poverty. When they came and said, "I want to go to your your place," Jesus said, "I ain't got no place. Birds have nests, the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay His head." When it come time to have money, they said, "Which one of y'all have a coin?" You remember when they were arguing about taxes? He said, "Who's superscriptions on the coin? Give unto Caesar what Caesar; render unto Caesar what Caesar; render unto God what God." He didn't even have a coin. In the most ultimate poverty is when he took your sin and my sin on his back on Calvary. And he experienced hell in those dark hours on the cross. He lost it all, even the fellowship with his father. Preacher, what are you saying? Nobody gave up as much as Christ for you and me. God gave us everything. And Paul is trying to encourage He's trying to encourage the Corinthian church to realize, hey, not only do you have great examples of generosity in a church that really is in a bad way, but then I want you to see what Jesus did for you. Look what Jesus did. It's it's said so plainly in Philippians chapter number 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That thought it not robbery, we don't use that terminology. What that means is he didn't selfishly hold on to his prerogatives and his privileges of being God. He let that go and became a servant, a humble, poor man on this earth so that we could have everything. Amen. What, a, what an example. What an example. So we see his appeal. Can everybody see that? Say amen. amen. Now I want you to see his advice. His advice. He says, now nah, this is not a commandment. But I'm going to give you some advice. I want you to follow through with this offering. Now we're going to skip over to chapter number nine. We're going to skip over to chapter number nine. Uh, just because to save time. There's uh, so much good stuff in there. At the end of chapter eight, he talks about all the accountability he's gonna have for this offering and he wants to reassure them uh, that it's gonna be given to where it's supposed to be given and so forth and so on. But look what he says in chapter number nine. This is so good. This is so good. You're gonna like this. Verse number six. Verse number six. If you're there, say amen. amen. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully, bountifully shall reap also every man according as he hath purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a... Okay, so three things. Here's his advice. Three things I see here. First of all, when we give, when we give now, everybody knows what we're given to. We're not given to uh, starving people in Jerusalem. That was their project. You say, "What is our project?" We're, we're, our project is churches. We're trying to get the gospel to people that don't have it. How many of y'all know that is a very worthy project? Yes, and I know you know that because you've been doing it for several years now. But that's what we're doing. Now, here's what I, here's here's Paul's advice to you when it comes to giving. Okay. You guys are going to be giving. We're going to give our special offering next week. And and so here's how I want you to do it. I say I. Here's how Paul wants you to do it. I'm just telling you what Paul said, okay? When you're praying this week, when you're praying this week about what to give in the one-time special offering, all right? Here's what Paul is saying. First of all, or A, give, y'all listening? Give expectantly. Write that word down. Give expectantly. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Why do you think? I, I've heard, and I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, I'm gonna confess, I've said it because I heard it said and it sounded good at the time. And it sounded real good and spiritual, but the more I studied it out, it wasn't really true. You know, I've heard preachers say this and I've said this and said, listen, if you're giving to get from God, then that's not right. In other words, if your motivation for giving is so you can get something, that's not right. Well, that sounded good. But why do you think Paul would put in here that if you sow sparingly, you're going to And if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap Now, why do you think he put in here about reaping if he didn't expect you to expect something back? Are y'all with me? So here's what I'm telling you. When you give to the work of the Lord, when you give to God, you're not giving, you are investing. You're investing. Because you're when you give something, you don't get nothing back. There's nothing coming back in return. But God says, anything that comes to me, I'm going to bring it back to you. Why do you think he said, be not deceived? God is not mocked whatsoever man. That shall he also... Now, everybody uses that as sin. We do. We, we've used that and applied that to sin. Oh, if you sow it, you're going to reap. Oh, you just reaping what you sow. Now, but that's not what he's talking about in that chapter. He's talking about giving. He's talking about generosity. He's talking about what you have given. He said, God's not going to be bad mouth. God's not going to be moth. God's not going to have anybody say that they or he owes them. Right. Because anything you give to him, he's going to give back to you more. Yeah, amen. Say amen. Give expectantly When you give this week I want you to give expectantly I want you to expect God to bless you I want you to expect God to meet your need And I'm going to give you some proof In just a second on that third point But while we're here Let's just talk about this Expect something from God If you sow Expect to reap Expect to reap Now listen If you if, If you sow If you sow one tomato plant don't expect that many. Are y'all with me? Pox came over the other day, well, a few weeks ago, and, and he's, I said, I need your help. And he was going to come help me. He said, what you got? I said, just a couple. I lied. <laughs> Pox, how many do we have? About 70? About 70. He said, you have more than what you said. I said, I'm practicing the word. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, amen? And and plus, if I told him, I was afraid he wouldn't come, amen? But for real, for real, why do we expect to reap a great harvest if we hadn't sowed anything? And why do you think you're not going to reap if you do sow something? Man, go into this thing expecting God to do something for you. So, so, give expectantly, he says. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. So when we give this week, I want you to give expectantly. Then secondly, write this down. Write this down. Not only give, say say it with me, A, give. Then B, give willingly. Give willingly. Every man, according, this is verse seven, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, here's, here's, here's three things. Here's three things under there. God doesn't want a sad giver. That's grudgingly. Or of necessity. That's a mad giver. But God loveth a cheerful giver. What would that be? That's a glad giver. Now watch this. Now watch this. Here's what I want you to give. If you got an attitude, don't give. I used to not. I that used to not be my philosophy. I used to say, "Listen, if you got a bad attitude, give anyway. God will help you with your attitude later." But that don't work. So I'm just going. I'm just going to put it all out here today. It, I'm just telling you. I want everybody to give, but you've got attitude about, please don't give. Please don't give, because this, it only works when there's a willingness. Amen. When there's a willingness. You see, God checks the heart. God checks the heart. I, I read this this week. Man, in, in one of the commentaries I was reading, and boy, it just, man, it made so much sense and just blew my mind. You see, God looks at the heart in your giving, not the hand let me illustrate. If you, if you wanted to give a thousand, man, your heart was so there, you wanted to give a thousand, but you only had 10, and you gave that 10. God gives you credit for a thousand. But if you gave a thousand, and you got an attitude, and you only wanted to give 10, Guess what you get credit for? As a man purposeth in his heart, so let him give. You know what God sees? What's in your heart. How many of y'all remember the, the, the widow who was in the temple? All these, all these rich people coming in, just dumping, dumping stuff and this little widow put po- I mean it was a very 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 minute amount pennies and Jesus said look at her she's given more than all of them why god was looking at her heart you see it's not the portion that you give it's the proportion you see It's not the portion that you give, it's the proportion. What does that mean? What does that mean? You see, everybody can't give the same. But God is expecting equal sacrifice. Everybody can't give a thousand. Everybody can't give 10,000. There's some that can. But everybody can sacrifice equally. And that's what God is saying. But it's got to be willing. So I'm just telling you right now, I'm just preaching the word. If you're not willing, don't give. Just don't. Just don't. If you've got an attitude about it, just keep it to yourself. Just keep it to yourself because you're not going to get credit for it anyway. OK? So A, A, give expectantly. B, give willingly. give willingly. And then C, give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. Do it with joy. Do it with joy. Now the word, and I'm not going to go into all that because it's really irrelevant. But the, the Greek word means hilarious. Hilarious. You know what hilarious means. It means you're laughing. It means it's, it's it's it just brings laughter and joy and, and levity. Are y'all with me? And what he's saying here, is, man, you ought to be happy. You ought to have a cheerful spirit. Let's go back to the Macedonian churches. They had joy in their giving. Jesus said it so well. It's more blessed to than to And if you've ever practiced that, you know that's true. So think about this. You say, preacher, how do you give cheerfully? I remember where it's going. I remember where it's going. I think about a village. I think about a village who has no church. I think about a little kid who would who could have just as it could have just as easily been me that was born in that village. and I think about that little kid who who for the first time in his life. He's going to hear this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for my Bible tells me so. Because he's going to actually have a minister there, he's actually going to have a Bible there, he's actually going to have a church there that will tell him, Jesus can save you and change your life. I don't know about y'all, that cheers me up. Give cheerfully. Give, let's see, A, let's do it, let's do it quick, quick. A, give. Expectantly. B, give Willing. willingly, and C, give cheerfully. cheerfully. All right, number three, number three. Real quick, hurry, hurry. have got four minutes. <clears throat> number three, I want you to see his assurance, Paul's assurance. His appeal, he says, follow through with what you promised, right? Follow through. Look at the example of, of the Macedonian churches. Look at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, when you give, I want you to give expectantly. I want you to give willingly. I want you to give cheerfully. Now, then he says this. Then he says this. Oh, man, this is the good part. Verse eight. And God is able. Let me back up a minute. Let me back up a minute. For, he says, don't give grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, don't, uh, uh, this is not out of force. We're not trying to, we're not trying to force you into this for God loveth a cheerful giver. So two things, here's, here's his assurance. First of all, you're going to experience God's affection. You're going to experience God's affection. Now, let me help you with this because you really got to get this. An old, old preacher said one time, God is no respecter of persons, but he do play favorites. You say, what was he talking about? For God so loved the world. He does. He loves the whole world. He loves the whole world. And, and, and there is something, there is something about loving everybody, right? Everybody, we should love everybody, but you don't love everybody like you love your own. Hello? Y'all with me? Now, I know y'all gonna say this. I know y'all gonna say if You're lying. You know you're lying. Right here, when I tell you this, you're gonna, you're gonna lie in the house of God right now. I, I love all my children the same all the time. You lie? I don't love my children the same all the time. Sometimes I wanna choke them to death. Oh, y'all so holy in here. Are you telling me there ain't sometimes when your child just stands out and does what he's supposed to do and just shows out that there ain't something that just swells up inside of you? Man, I've I've watched my kids sharing their story and sharing their faith and leading somebody to Christ. I'm just telling you, my heart just about bursts in my chest. I love them. Don't get me wrong. I love them. I'll take a bullet for any of them. And no matter what they do, I'm going to love them, period. But there is some kind of affection that comes out of me when I see them do what they're supposed to do. And I believe in this this verse right here, I believe God loves everybody. But I believe there is a special affection that comes to the person when they give cheerfully because they are doing, they are more like God in that moment than any time. For God so loved the world he Are y'all with me? You say, why does that tickle the Lord so much? Why, why does giving why does giving excite God so much? Because it's saying that you trust him. Now watch. Let me prove it. He says God loveth a now, look at the very next verse. Watch what it says. It says this And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, say it with me, ye always having all sufficiency in how many things? All, all things may abound to every good. Work. Preacher, what are you saying? God says, if you'll put me first, if you'll believe me, and if you will give cheerfully, if you will give willingly, if you will give expectantly, I'm going to make sure that all things are taken care of in your life. I'm going to make sure that your needs are met. I'm going to make sure you have what you need. I, You're going to be operating in my financial ability, not yours. Church, say amen. Watch these verses. This is great. Proverbs 3 9. Pro, it's right there in your notes. If you're looking, it's right there in your notes. Proverbs 3 9. Are y'all there? Say amen. amen. Honor the Lord with thy substance. That's talking about your finances, your material things. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So what? So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. What is he saying? He's going to provide. Proverbs 11, 24. four. There is that scattereth, yet increaseth. In other words, there's people that give out. It seems they just keep giving, and they give like crazy, but they just keep increasing. It doesn't make sense. But look what it says. And there is that withholdeth. These people over here that's hoarding things up, hoarding things up, but it tendeth to what? Poverty. Wow. The liberal, the generous soul, the generous person shall be made fat. Now, don't get nervous. (laughs) That means prosperous, all right? That's just, uh, King James, uh, prosperous. Say prosperous. Say prosperous. The generous person shall be made prosperous. And he that watereth shall be also himself. Look what Jesus said. By the way, that came from the smartest man ever to live. That was Solomon. But let's, let's see what Jesus says. Jesus said in Luke six thirty eight. what's that first word? Give. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press, come on now, get with me. Good measure, read it with me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Now, let me help you. This will be a good visual illustration. We'll pray. How many of y'all ever pick peas? Okay, how many of y'all have seen a pea? Okay, all right, that's good. Now, here's the thing. When you pick peas... They usually give you a basket, like a bushel basket, right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, this is the first time I ever picked peas. I didn't know nothing about it. I, my, my, one, of, one of the church members of my dad's church down in Florida said, called me and said, Malcolm, you want some peas? I said, yes, sir. I thought he done picked them. <laughs> Little did I know. I get over there, and I said, okay, I'm here to pick up the peas. He hands me the basket. I'm like oh man he said alright there they are go after it so I did I never picked peas before so I went through that first row and I picked peas and I come back to the other row and it was it was full my, my basket was full so I come to him and said I'm done he said no you're not guess what he did he went what's he doing shaking, shaking it what's the, what's the verse say shaking down Then he went, I mean, it just went, he said, now get back out there. So I went again. I come back and say, I'm done. What did he say? What did he do? Finally, I filled it up and it was jammed in there. You know what Jesus is saying? If you'll give. Cheerfully. Willingly. If you will trust me. Whatever you give. I'm going to give back to you. You give a pea. I'm going to give you a bushel. Not, not only. Not only. Not only a bushel basket. But it's going to be. It's going to be. And. That's Jesus speaking, not, not me. Do you see why now Paul says, I want you to give expectantly. So this week, this week in your, in your, in your, 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 your brochure in your brochure at the very end, it says, here's how you can do your part. If you have your brochure in front of you, here's how you can do your part. It gives you it gives you different amounts that you could give weekly or monthly toward faith promise now here's what we do here's what we do <clears throat> every every week now I say we those who are maturing and developing some hadn't got there yet and that's okay that's okay there as they grow and mature they'll get there uh, but let me I'm just give you I, I'll just give you me as an example so I'm not going to put anybody on the spot Every week, I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give a tithe. I give 10% of, of, of what I bring in uh, to the ministry of the church. That goes to keep these lights on, to keep the, the air going, to put the gas in the, in the vans and, and do all those things. I, that's off, to, off the top. That, I, I give that for the work of the ministry. If that makes sense, say amen. That's, that's my offering every single week. Then I give over and above that, I give a faith promise. That I said, Lord, if you will supply my need, I'm going to give this amount every single week so that we can send missionaries from our church, also missionaries that come and get support to the foreign field so that we can plant churches. If that makes sense, say amen. So every week, every week, I'll give that certain amount every single week to Faith Promise Missions. Faith, Promise, Missions, all right? All that money goes to support all of our missionaries. In that brochure, you'll have a list of all of our missionaries that's there. And then after that, I will ask God, God, help me, help me plant a church. And, and I will have a box on my desk. Matter of fact, it's on my desk right now. It's on my desk right now. It sits in front of me, so I, I, it reminds me to pray for it. And, and this morning, God has allowed me this week to uh, out of nowhere... Out of nowhere, God provided a need, and so I got to give a box again this morning. And, and so those three things, those three things is, is, is what I'm doing. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Pray about what God wants you to do. I want you to pray about what God wants you to do. And then I want you to fill that in this week. Fill that in this week on the bottom tab there, right here. It says attached is a check for a one-time offering. That will go to our church planning endeavor. Uh, Our one-time offering will be given by such and such a date because our goal is by the end of the year, okay? So if you can't give this week or next week, uh, if you can give before the end of the year toward that, that'll be great. And then faith promise giving. As God provides, we will give such and such amount per week. Or month, however you want to do that with your family For the next year above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings Toward uh, the missions and the mission field And then put your, put your gift there And you say, why do you need those cards? Well, it helps us to set the budget For our missions uh, ministry throughout the year Alright, so we have a goal there we're trying to reach But I want you to pray about it I really do, I want you to pray about it. No pressure, no pressure you do what God tells you to do, whatever that might be. If you can't give cheerfully, don't give. I'm just telling you. I don't, I don't want you. I don't want you to not get credit for what you should get credit for. Okay? God knows your heart. But I do want you to do this. I want you to pray. I want you to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? Secondly, I want you to trust God. God is Able. Say that with me. God is able. Paul said, if you will give cheerfully, the very next verse, he said, God is able to meet every need that you have. And I promise you, you're going to see miracles in your life like you've never seen before. God's going to show up and do things for you because listen, he will not be mocked. Amen. No one will ever be able to say, God owes me. Because you say, how, how do I know that? When you give to him, he gives back to you. And guess what? His hands are bigger than yours. Amen. Can we give God praise and glory in the house today? So pray this week. Pray this week. What are the three points? Pray this week and give expectantly. Say it with me now. Give expectantly. Give Willingly and give cheerfully. cheerfully. And I promise you, God is able. And all God's people say it.